Coming to you anyway. live from the puppet show theater in the Ditch Diggers Manor, where Matt uses his own hand puppets to tell stories. It is the Ditch Diggers with Mer Lafferty, Matt Wallace, and Premium Mohammed. And I believe this is our episode 1000. Why We've not? decided that. We've decided it's episode 1000, mostly because Premium is here. I mean, come on. Like, you need a blockbuster guest for a thousandth episode. The most highly anticipated guest we've ever had, according to Twitter. So there you go. Ditch diggers appear and ain't no wannabes here. With some not so nice advice for your writing career. To be clear, no punches will be pulled, but the punch may be spiked. How they like before they get on the mic. To my left, we got the mighty Mer Lafferty. And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me. And her co-host, Matt Evan Wallace, on the right. Yes, she may be half as hype as she can take him in a fight. So settle in, folks, buckle in and boot up. Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up. It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting. Facebook will still be there when you're done writing. Ditch Diggers! Ditch Diggers! Tweeted that Primo's going to be on the show. Twitter lost its shit. All right. Usually I tweet about us recording. Nobody gives a crap. I'll just be honest <laughs> about that. I get maybe one or two retweets. You retweet Premier's gonna be. You tweet Premier's gonna be here. They lose their minds. It was amazing. And then we had to cancel the. And first then we had to cancel that show. Yeah. That was. I'm but, sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 dude. Things were going on. Life was more important. These things happen. I'm more just commenting that that's very ditch diggers esque. Like yeah. we have a guest that Twitter is excited about that everybody's excited about. We get all these retweets and then we have to cancel. That's just very us. I like I like that we're keeping a thematic consistency with how we do things. Hall well, of that, Fame because you got to keep digging the ditch. You can't just you stop digging the ditch. Yeah, you do. The ditch yes. is never is never dug. That's really what yeah. it is. Hall yeah. of Fame podcaster knows how to count episode numbers. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, but yes, no, we're very excited for a thousandth episode. Very excited <laughs> to have premier the author of No One Will Come Back for Us, the most relevantly titled book of the age, yeah. in my opinion. Because it's true. <laughs> and uh, and we're going to talk about all all of the things, Mer. We're going to talk about we... all the things. Well, I will warn people, yeah. I spent 15 hours in a car yesterday. So I'm a little little tired, a little headachey. But um, I'm very delighted to be here because I like Matt and Preemie. And so this should be fun at the very least. The and very hopefully least. informative to you guys at the very most. But that's secondary to us just having a good time. And that's really yeah. the key. That's really the key to a successful podcast, I think. And a live stream. I live stream anymore. podcast. Hybrid media. You know, nobody knows anymore. Mer. No, no. What have you been up to, Matt? Oh, my God. So many things. Um, no, seriously. It's an interesting time. For, it's a time of renewal. Um, if you've kept up with the show, I've talked about changing agents and getting a new one. And Becky Lejeune of... Uh, Bond Literary Agency, and uh, yeah, man. So on the publishing side of things, it's been it's been Becky just doing an amazing job, and me just trying to keep up. Like I, you know, it's it's very cool to have an agent who's so enthused and excited to be working with me, and just has all these ideas, and is constantly like, "What about this? We could try this. What if we do this?" So I'm mean, getting new book proposals ready to go out. Becky's trying to sell foreign rights to books. I don't even remember writing. Like. She went, they no, may it's not even be yours, but if they're they not, not, then Becky will talk to somebody about getting the rights to them to Be sell the foreign rights and give the Be money to you. Yes. Becky's like, if anybody else comes forward, I'll make them disappear. That's what I do, because <laughs> that's the kind of agent I am. Becky wow. doesn't kill people. But no, it's just, I can't say enough good things about, about Becky and, and working with her. It's just, it's a big change from the last few years where I felt just felt very stagnant. You know, it's just... She has a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of ideas. So we got a lot of stuff on the horizon. None of it's popped yet or ready to announce, but I feel like later this year, a lot of it's going to, it will bear fruit. In the meantime, um, next month I have uh, Savage Crowns coming out, the the final book in my Savage Rebellion trilogy. I'm doing my first live event since 2020 before the initial lockdown. I have not wow. done an in-person, not live, but in-person. I've done live events with been virtual. Doing my first in-person event at uh, Dark Delicacies in Burbank. Um, I'm sure we will do something to launch the book. We haven't talked about it yet, but that's just, again, that's our style. And most excitingly, doing a virtual event for Mysterious Galaxies of San Diego. And someone here is going to be joining me for that event. It's Premi. Premi's joining me for that event. I, I just hoping, wanted to make that. I really yeah, because Mer's like, I have no idea what's going on. Why don't you ever tell me anything? No, I'm going to be in conversation with Premi to talk about 
the Savage book. Uh, so yeah, a lot of lot of exciting stuff uh, is going on. And uh, Firewriter would struggling. like to know what day that is. Day we the can't event. remember. No, no, I haven't. No, 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 no. No, the thing I is, ordinarily premium would be right because I'm horribly disorganized and forgetful. Literally a few days ago, I compiled my calendar and I have it right here. The Mysterious Galaxy event is Friday, June 30th at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. I believe that is virtual Firewriter. Um, I don't know if they're going to do anything in store, but uh, I believe Matt. That is virtual. Yeah. Yeah. The Mysterious Galaxy thing is virtual because premium's in Canada. So that would be difficult. Yes. But I will be in person, like I said, in Dark Delicacies, which is Saturday, June 24th, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Dark Delicacies in Burbank. If you're in Burbank, California, you can actually come down and meet me. I don't know why anyone would want to do that, but you can if you want to. I'll be there just chilling, you know? <laughs> just sitting there, a couple of books beside you. It's a fucking, it's a cool store. I, I've, I've, I've done a million things with Dark Delicacies, so I wanted to do this because it's just a really cool, it's a horror themed store. It's oh, full nice. of memorabilia and books, and they're always doing cool, cool events there. It's, uh, I always tell the story that when I first moved, sorry, I don't mean to monopolize this conversation. There's nothing to do with what I've been doing, but just very quickly, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, because Premium is much more interesting than me, I want to get to her. Um, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, the two friends I had here, one of the first things they did was they took me to Dark Delicacies and I was a completely scrub, unknown, broke writer at the time. And Amber Benson was doing a book signing there. Um, Amber Benson, author of, of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame also. And I just was like, God damn, like, this is what I want for myself. I want to be the kind of author who like gets to do events like Amber Benson at Dark, De at Dark Delicacies. That was like one of my biggest dreams at the time because I had done nothing. And then seven years later, I got to do an event at Dark Delicacies with Amber Benson. Oh, wow. And Cory Doctorow. So it was kind of a kind of cool coming full circle thing. So anyway, going back there for my first live event since 2020. That's what I'm going on. Mur, what have you been doing? Going to get you my were... kid from college. <laughs> and that's say, really... You were in a car for 15 hours. That's I was in a car for 15 hours. Um, I, I, I've been doing a lot of um, second guessing myself and questioning my skill. Um, so I'm doing oh, great. Cool. Uh, I mean, we've all we've we've all been there and we'll be there again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm going to the Nebulas this week, and I'm hoping that that'll you know <laughs> light a light a fire under me. I was also hoping. Yeah, now, I don't expect, I'm not stupid. I don't expect anything to happen like this, but I, I am laughing in that sort of, haha, the sky is falling away, knowing that the first time I can get out to LA since 2018 is when the WGA is striking. So if I <laughs> did get a chance to meet with anybody in Hollywood, right. I couldn't. Yep. Yeah, Technically I, I could, that. but I shouldn't. And it would also bar me from joining the WGA at any time in the future. So it's like, I'm like, I'm thinking I want to go out to LA to talk to Matt. I want to see Matt. I want to meet my agent in person who, as far as I know, does not kill people. But, you know, we haven't met in person. Perhaps I can bring it up. You haven't, you haven't um, asked. You know. And, you know, talk to some people about some things that aren't announced and, you know, hopefully advance my career in some way shape or form but that one way <laughs> it's very specific to la is yeah. can't then yeah so um so yeah I'm, I'm okay i'm tired i'm i took a class in comedy screenwriting and i think i'm trying to figure out whether it did me harm or good because <laughs> I'm questioning myself and I don't know if I'm questioning myself because my writing is weak or I'm questioning myself because I took a class and I've stopped being confident in what I clearly am okay at doing. Oh my God. So, dude. uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm gonna try to get back to a couple of, uh, I did start something very exciting and I also made a deal with myself that I would no longer talk about what I was working on because of what that does to your mental health. Um, so I just won't say what I'm working on because I have nothing contracted. That I'm right. I have one more book with Ace, but what I'm working on now is just a couple of ideas. But Premi, what I wanted to ask you was, does your agent kill people? <laughs> Possibly. Okay. And the reason uh, I'm saying I don't know this is because, well, I've never met him, uh, which is totally fine because I think a lot of us that live outside of uh, America but have American agents have not met our agents. I've also never seen a picture of him. I don't know what he looks like. Oh. Hmm. As so far he as I know, he doesn't have a hire. face. Yeah, he could be a killer for hire. And maybe there's a reason he's keeping his face off the internet is because he's a killer for hire or um, possibly one of those um, 
deep sea uh, invertebrates, a sea cucumber, also known as a headless chicken fish. Um, that's I'm my sorry, backup so the theory. choices are agent, yeah. killer yeah. for hire, or sea yeah. cucumber. Why not all yeah. three is my question immediately. I don't think a sea cucumber would make a very no, good agent. No, I think the sea cucumber would have trouble with the hired killer part because he has to stand a really high pressure. <laughs> I don't think he'd have trouble with the um, agenting part because you can still talk to editors and stuff. They've got internet down there. They're the deep sea cables that run underneath the ground. That's true. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, if, if, if the editor offers something bad, they could just vomit their guts on them. Exactly. Exactly. And and the the sea cucumber actually is called a headless chicken fish. They don't have a head, so maybe oh, the reason there's yeah. maybe there's the reason there's no selfies is because he doesn't have a face. You know what? How come chickens aren't called a headful sea cucumber bird? I guess it's whoever got to name it first. Oh, fair. I think it's just chicken yeah. bias, honestly. Yeah, it's just per first in time, first in line. Listen, can we talk about chicken privilege for a minute? Can we do it? <laughs> Can we? Can we find? No, Hang not on really. Hang a second. I need to write down some comments so I can get the show notes going. First, we have um, agent, killer, or cucumber. Or all three. Chicken or privilege. Chicken privilege. Yeah. At least over sea cucumbers. They may not be privileged in any other way, but they do have brand, they do have brand name recognition going for yep. them, which yep. is a threat to the free market. And I'll say that. And I don't care who, who has a problem with it. Okay. Or, or if it makes any sense. Or if it makes any sense. No, it's like, you know, when you call adhesive strips band-aids, that's a brand yes. name. Like, you know, that's why they have a monopoly on adhesive yeah. strips. So words matter is my point. That's our job. That was very deep. Yeah, that's Besides our the uh, headless chicken fish killer for hire agent, um, Premi, what else have you been up to besides hiring one of those? Oh, um, so not killing people. Okay. Definitely. I have not been doing that. No, not, not, not killing people. Gosh, yeah, I'm catching up on a lot of um, short fiction because I've been solicited for some upcoming anthologies and things. And once the Kickstarter is over, then you got to get into like story writing mode. <laughs> you have to um, write the story. Those yeah, you got to write the actual story. Uh, I've got a panel at the Nebulas this weekend on Sunday at uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, which is about kind of Caribbean futurism. Like, what do we think? is specific to Caribbean sort of speculative fiction and where do we think it's going. So I'm very excited uh, to chat about that. Um, and I also have my first uh, in-person book event. Hopefully everybody masks up because I'm going to be masked up um, at a local bookstore on May 20th uh, for the short story collection. So pretty excited about that unless nobody shows up but I actually have a backup plan if nobody does show up because it's like literally right next to a brewery nice so I'm just gonna go next door and like fill the pain with some booze and then like cry and go home it's important to have backup plans it is important um, to have backup plans I think we should all have like a live stream backup plan of well if no one shows up you call in and we'll just stream and drink together yeah yeah I like it I like that's it. a good plan actually let's yeah. let's all get drunk and ruin our careers on a live stream yeah, Shit. Well, and, and people were, people were like, "Is is there like a virtual component to this? Can we attend virtually?" I'm like, "No, I'm sorry. It's just um, they don't have you know the the facilities and stuff set up for it." But uh, I will probably be virtually live tweeting the whole thing out of nerves. So there <laughs> will be a virtual component. Uh, Shauna will one one of our uh, frequent chat uh, members will be there. Oh, okay. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> there you go. You're covered, Brami. Yeah, okay, at so least one, you know one whole person. Yeah. One whole uh, person. If, if one whole person shows up, I will take them next door to the brewery and buy them drinks. Now Shona's kind of like pushing people away. Fuck you, I get to <laughs> hang out with Premi. Go away. Uh, and then in June, I'm headed to Barcelona, actually, for a uh, literary con that I did not know about because it is not in English. But I got invited to it anyway, so I'm going. <laughs> um, That's amazing. It is amazing. Um, it's called CatCon, and that's not for cats like the cat kind of cat. This is for uh, Catalan, the language. Oh. Um, because two of my novellas uh, were acquired by a uh, Catalan publisher last year or the year before and are coming out in June uh, under the translation. So they were like, do you want to come and like maybe do some bookstore events and come to this con? And I was like, oh, you know, I'd love to, but I can't afford it. And they were like, we'll just pay for your flight and hotel. I'm like, oh! Oh, oh, so this isn't like a hypothetical. 
No, okay. this is what's supposed to happen. This then is in called. That case, I would love to come. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's see, yeah. that's the problem is that's that's the abnormality to us. When really that should be yeah, the standard. Yeah. No, that's like, the abnormality. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I would love to come, and they're like, oh my god. <laughs> we thought we made this clear in the email. I'm like, no, you, <laughs> you did not. That is not something you made clear. You would think they'd be accustomed to others not being accustomed to that kind of treatment when they deal with like American Canadian just yeah, people in publishing so. in general. Yeah. Well, because like, you know, for the Nebula's panel, um, I got invited to come be a speaker there, even though I'm not up for a Nebula this year. And I was like, oh, sure, I'll, I'll come be on the panel. And they're like, by the way, you have to register. So I am paying $150 to be on this Nebula panel because I you can't agree. actually get into the system unless you're registered. You can't get into the system unless like you can't register unless you pay for it. So right. are they at least reimbursing like, you? God, I don't even know. Oh they fucking God. should. I had to do that with Worldcon back when I still went to Worldcon. They'd make yeah. you pay, but at least they would kick it back to it's you. It's probably later. in the in the fine print somewhere, but otherwise I'm sitting here like they have like dozens of speakers. And I don't think all those people are up for a nebula because last year it was free for me because I was a uh, I was nominated. Right. Um but like come on guys. Like come on. Well, no, I, it's so broken. Sifwa did put out an email um, talking about the future of the Nebula conference. I did see that. And they're like, we have no money. Yeah. And, and they so go, actually, I might not sense. get that much. They went yeah. into detail. Basically, long story short, pandemic fucked us. Yeah. Just like a lot of people. It's like the, the things <laughs> that they have to pay for, they're paying for with hospitality hospitality lost a lot of money in the last three years so hospitality is grabbing all the money they can and so it's like super expensive and you know it's it's just they've tried to offset as much cost as they can but if they're charging people like i understand why you pay to attend and be on a panel i mean either i understand it or i'm used to it i don't know but it's like the vir virtual thing is a little that's mm, that 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 feels a little much well at least it's not as much as the in-person registration costs which is yes. like i think 450 dollars or something yes it is which is why another reason why i'd like to i'm just saying those standards some... become a sliding scale a little bit well it's not as bad as this other horrible thing that well everything just seems with. bad now because i don't have a job like <laughs> Everything is unaffordable. There is no room in the budget for these discretionary purchases. And I clicked on it anyway, and they were like, we can offer scholarships, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm not taking one of those. That's for, like, somebody who's broke. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't also, possibly. Right. But let's just establish the fact that it is unreasonable to begin with, the, your your employment status besides. Like, it's not, yeah. it's just not, yeah, that's not, yeah. it's not ideal. I, I, I assume if they invited ideal. somebody to speak, then it would yeah. be free. See, the funny thing is, were like, that, I'm sorry, go on. Sorry, yeah, because those happened at like two different periods. Like I accepted, I got the assignment, I signed into like the Airtable thing and stuff like that and confirmed that I was going to be on a panel. And then a couple weeks later, they're like, oh, you know, none of that went through because you're not registered. I was like, oh, I didn't know I had to. Uh, I guess I'll go click on the link and then nothing else happens unless you put in your credit card number. So, so the fun funny thing is for uh... me, I mean, I thought virtual cons were a great idea and I, I'm really glad they kept doing them. But personally, as someone who, who serves on panels at cons, I don't know why, but virtual cons stressed me the fuck out. I am yeah. so much more nervous going to a virtual con here in the safety of my own home than I am appearing in person. COVID aside, oh. obviously. Right, right. No, but, you're, you're talking about your personal anxiety. Well, yeah, yeah, it's huge. and That's wild, dude. I, I don't know. know. I mean, I, I guess it's the extrovert part of me. I love going and hanging out with other nerds. And <laughs> maybe it's like, and, and maybe that offsets the stress about being in front of people. I don't know. Um, I think since been podcasting longer than Dirt, although Dirt hasn't really been podcasting that long anyway, but... Um, I, I don't have a problem talking in front of people, but I don't know. I really don't. I wish I did. It would make more sense if I could figure it out. But uh, no, I don't, I don't know why. And so the idea of not being able to enjoy the con the convention and having to have the extra anxiety of being on a Zoom call where I would probably fuck up the technology and paying for that, all of that honor is just, man. 
No, I totally get that from your from that perspective. I mean, I'm the totally opposite of the spectrum. I fucking hate doing cons in person. Never want to do it again. And I think everything should be virtual for a variety of reasons. But I, you know, I don't, I don't have anxiety issues, so I get to say that. But yeah. uh, no, from your no, from your perspective, I, I totally get how annoying that would be. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel. I didn't know you had you had that with the virtual stuff. I don't know. I think it's like the very. I was trying to be take part in the very first flights of Foundry, and I just. I was supposed to moderate one, which I will never, ever volunteer to moderate a virtual con again, because that just gives you more things you can break. <laughs> um, like, I screwed up something I was supposed to moderate. I was unable to get into another green room before I went to the regular room, and I just, it just, it just got more and more nervous. And, yeah. I don't know. I just, I am pro-virtual. I just, yeah. I don't think virtual cons should go away. I'm just saying I'm not. No, no. You have a you have a per, you have a personal issue, dude. Yeah. Like you are allowed you are allowed to have your own forms of anxiety, and you don't have to apologize for them. You know. You. And we we all know you're not saying virtual cons should go away, so you don't have to be anxious anymore. We it's it's cool. I really wish that could fix all anxiety, though. That'd be neat. Just yeah. No. One well, thing. Well. Well. Shit. I mean, you know, we all whatever our sources of anxiety are, we all wish they would just fucking go away. So. Yeah. Shauna points out in person, you know how your audience is reacting and it helps with presenting. Yes, that is true. I've seen <sighs> some stand up or MC jobs kind of falter because the person can't t go off of what the audience is reacting to. I hadn't thought about that. I never think about the audience, but I guess I'm just a callous person. Creamy, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Virtual versus in person, how do you how do you process? Yeah, I, I hugely prefer the virtual because I can just sit here and take things in or participate and like be in my pajamas or not wear pants or whatever. And I think in terms of the in-person cons thing, I haven't been to a ton of in-person cons because right around the time that I started getting into <laughs> like publishing and stuff, um, COVID so... showed up. But like the few that I had been to before that, um, I was kind of like, I can see the appeal for people um, to participate in these things. But what I like is the meeting nerds part, but I don't like the con part like at all. And I'm probably not going to be going to a lot of um, in-person cons, even if COVID does go away, because they're just, they're not my bag. Totally fair. I, I feel the same way, honestly. I don't know if I'll ever do an in-person con again. Yeah. They'd, have to, they'd have to make me a very attractive offer, which won't happen, because who the fuck am I? But yeah. And you know, I virtual it it can be done very well. Like Firecon mm. was amazing the first oh, one yeah. that yeah, I did. Yeah. Like the, it was so well organized uh, virtually. So I think it also I think and I think that's a big thing too. I, I think it depends on how it's set up and how it's run. Yeah, and, yeah. and how it's presented. So that's because I've been cool. at like twenty of those now, either as a speaker or as just an attendee. And um, you know, it it almost makes you wish there was something easy for people, just like a con in a box. Like you download this. Mm program or whatever and it's got all your graphics and it's got the software and it's got roles and things assigned and everything's just ready to go and all you have to do is plug your people into it but people are working on so many different platforms and there's so many things that can go wrong and yeah dream foundry was a nightmare everything <laughs> went wrong and then the ones where it's like only so many people can be in a place at a time but they've told everybody to come to that place at a time so the people that can't get in that was like multiple right. con last year i think but yeah it's, uh, yeah. I, I usually prefer virtual because I don't like leaving my house. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just true. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Uh, and now everyone is wearing pants right now. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, but just don't investigate I'm, it any further. I'm, I'm wearing pants. Yeah, we're all wearing pants. Of course we are. Yeah, totally. of course we are. Uh, totally. course Why we are. wouldn't anybody not be wearing pants? Exactly. <laughs> but speaking of not wearing pants, Primi, a short story collection. Wow, good segue. Thank you very much. That's the ditch diggers way. Uh, no, but seriously, I want to get I want to get into that a little bit because I have I'm interested um, because you have one coming out and we want to promote it. I mean, I'll just be honest about that. Oh. I'm fine. I'm finding a reason to bring it up so we can talk about it because I want people to go. Exactly. There it is right there. It's beautiful. You can't if you're listening to this the podcast episode in audio, you didn't get to see that. But Prima just showed the cover and it was fucking amazing. Um, and there's like illustrations inside. They did a really classy job with it. But yeah, no one will come back for us. I love uh, short story uh, collections and always have. I originally had this uh, dream back before I understood how publishing worked that I could just write short stories and be a short story <laughs> author, which is not a thing that exists. You have to become exists. a time traveler too. Yeah. Well, you know, I watched the sci-fi channel a lot when I was a kid and they had Harlan Ellison and all he had were short story collections. So you just assume, well, 
he's made a whole career off. And then you find out he made all his money in TV and was kind of a dick. But anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, I'm just curious. Yeah, I there are there are rumors there are rumors in the Twitter sphere that it's hard to sell books. I don't know if you've heard this. I've it's, heard some people say that. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that. And that's like novels which people are used to buying. So I'm just wondering like how did the idea to do a short story collection come about and was the and did did the idea immediately appeal to you? Did you think it would be challenging? Like what were your thoughts? So it's a two-part oh, question. Yeah. yeah it's how did it come about? Yeah, exactly. Um I did not have the idea. Uh, I don't think I like I I write uh, novels is kind of like my natural stride length, right. and I find short stories very very difficult to write. I I don't expect to. Um... There's a novel, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mark. Um, so people on the podcast, of course, didn't see that either. But um, just go to the blog. Yeah, they'll, they'll all be there. All the pictures. I I find short fiction really difficult to write. I feel very limited. I feel very cramped. I always want to write it like much longer i want to get into the world more i want to spin off some subplots um but uh my editor mike kelly actually approached me and my agent he emailed us and was like hey what's up uh can we have a short story collection from creamy and what my else? agent and i were like oh sure okay uh do you just want like what do you want <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> like, because well, because when he emailed, I think I had something like forty-five stories published, and of course, you can't have like a forty-five story collection or whatever. Um, so he he basically wrote back and was like, "Oh, thanks, great." So kind of like dark fantasy, um, horror, and sci-fi is okay if there's like horror elements, and I don't want anything that has like, um, you know, that's like written to be funny or like whimsical or lighthearted or anything that has like an unambiguously super happy ending and my agent was like oh good one yeah we can come up with some of those no. <laughs> so what i did was i went through my short fiction actually by um like chronological order like the order it got published and i picked out um 18 stories that i thought kind of fit what he was talking about and i sent them to him in that order and he tossed out one of them which is fine i was like these are just for you to pick from so i don't right. particularly care and um and then he picked the order uh, my editor picked the order um we did a quick proofread for typos uh and then he was like do you want to do author notes i'm like wouldn't that suggest that i remembered anything about writing any of these stories and he was like you can make something up <laughs> there so you go that. you're an author nice. yeah <laughs> i was like you've dealt with a lot of authors hey <laughs> I wrote this while I was lounging on a beach in Spain, right exactly, after recording exactly. episode 500 of Ditch Diggers. Exactly. Like I remember exactly where I was when the idea came to me. No, I don't. Um, I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday morning. It's so, literally true. Yeah, a lot of times you can't even remember to have breakfast, audience. I'll tell you that right now. She forgets I had breakfast all the time. this morning because I knew I'm you would ask about it because you're I'm a nice person. Uh, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. It's not that I'm yeah. horribly concerned so wait, about you. You, yeah. you, you help Premie remember to eat, but you don't help me. You have uh, you have Jim and you have Fiona and you have a whole support system. Yeah, I live alone. Okay. Premie has a cat that is that very into from themselves. Uh, and I have yes. Des- and I have Godzilla. Des- Godzilla, okay. who okay. His, his only contri- his only contribution would be, well, you know, I invented the concept. of I breakfast. invented that's- breakfast actually. Yeah, yeah, he's a path- he's a pathological liar, Mar. Is Des Godzilla? All so. right, fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll even make a note to take that out of the out of the recording. <laughs> you don't have to take it out of the recording. It's fine. I just that's the answer. Uh, I, yeah, I trust um, yeah. that was that was my whole contribution to the story collection was picking out the ones I thought kind of fit what he was asking for, and um, I was like, yeah, just put them in the order you want. And I've actually I saw a review the other day saying that they loved the order that it ended up in. And how they thought, you know, oh, the tension builds and there's like world building and the stories aren't linked. Right. But it it's feels not, yeah. it feels like um it's building up to something. And I was like, oh, good job, editor, because I sure did not help you with that. It is a weird <laughs> thing deciding <laughs> the order of stories and it's something you don't think about until you're like met with it and Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, how do you decide pod what's, anthology and what's your rubric? Like how do yeah. you pick what goes first and how do you pick what comes last? And like if it were if it were me just doing it, I probably would have taken the easy way out and just gone chronologically. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can really bomb playlist for somebody, you know, you want to yeah. 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 No, I we 
we were we were gifted gifted um we were sent you know e-copies of the uh collection which made me very happy i just wanted to have you on the show but it came with presents which was nice um <laughs> and i finished it over the weekend and like it's definitely not a story cycle but it's very thematically uh consistent like it really is it, it feels that way and there's like this i mean i love your work period but there's there's really like oh, this it feels like I, I would call it like hopeful cynicism almost that I like. It's like <laughs> a lot of terrible shit happens and a lot of people are doomed. And but there's there is there is still like an underlying hopefulness to your stuff. Maybe I project that, but I feel like that's a thing. Like you're a realist, but there is the idea that there will be a future. We just have to we have to deal with all the horrible shit that's going <laughs> to happen in it. But we can't deal with it. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but we try. But so we try. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's possibly true. I think the thing I like, the, I think the thing I like the least for an ending for practically anything is the feeling that the door is completely shut and locked. Mm, like, mm. I don't necessarily like those super ambiguous endings where you're like, my God, did he survive? Kind of thing. <laughs> but like, you know, you know the kind I mean. Um, but like where it ends and you're like, that's the ending, right? And there's a question mark because there's still this opportunity for for things to happen, for people to make choices, um, for the monster to come back, maybe, for, for the disaster to restart, for the fire to start burning again, that kind of thing. Um, like, and and if it's if all the ends are tied up too neatly, I feel like I've not I'm not I don't feel really satisfied with the story. Like oh, it's much better articulated yeah. than any of the nonsense I just tried to articulate. So no, I totally get that. But uh, I think we're saying the same thing though. Yes, I think, I think I'm just, picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. You are, but you're just you're saying it much better because you're much smarter than me. But so to, I want to go back to it's very interesting that he came to you and was so gung ho about doing it. That's really cool. And why not? I'm just wondering because like when I a lot of editors I've talked to about short story collections, um, it's like, well, I don't want to do that. That's not going to sell. We, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just like, yeah. it's like they're hard. They can be very hard books uh, to do. I and I think the yeah, the more mass market you go to, like, I always feel like they've they've started to live more in kind of a specialty context or like a smaller press yeah. context, which is fine. But I'm just which curious, is fine, like, yeah, Undertow but, is very very small. But I think right. you know, where I think this is coming from, though. Um, not not just that you also don't have to invest a lot for a short story and all the stories are published before, except for one of them. Um, and also sometimes you get a $500 advance for it, which is what I got. But I think the other place that Michael was coming from for this was that um, Undertow also published uh, Cassandra Cause short story collection Breakable Things last year. Right, right. So they would have been thinking, okay, that got a lot of recognition. It obviously made some sales. Um, I think it's up for a couple of awards, which it rightfully should be. Because, oh, got you. Know, they're amazing, amazing writer. Yeah. Yeah. Because Cass is amazing. And um, so then he maybe have, must have been sniffing around like, okay, who else does this agent have <laughs> that might have <laughs> some short fiction in the world and that might have enough for a collection? And, you know, I fully expect another one of, of my agent siblings to have a short story collection out next. No, that doesn't. I mean, I would absolutely argue you being you has a little something to do with it. Probably also. not. I that's horseshit, and you know it's horseshit. Stop it. Um, you have, dude. You've received so much recognition, and rightfully so. For but your not work. for my short stories, though. That's true, but still, you have that, and that's kind of the point I was trying to get at. You got ahead of me in a very good way. I was wondering <laughs> if it's like, was it? Did they come to you because they had done it before and it was successful, or did they come to you specifically just because you are you and they're like? Freebie has a reputation. She has an audience we could capitalize on. And I feel I like, what, from what you're saying, I think it's a combination of both. Like, you didn't having, get any emails. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know. And I didn't like quiz him about it. I'm like, what's your right. interest in my short stories, <laughs> Michael? <laughs> if that is your real name. <laughs> if that is your real name. Oh my well, that God. That was the other problem too. So yeah, like my agent's name is Michael Curry and the editor's name is Michael Kelly. So for a while there, I'd be getting these emails and not really paying close attention being like, Michael, M Michael, there's just like Michael six emails down in my inbox. I'm like, who am I supposed to reply to with that? Yeah, right. Michael Exception. <laughs> yeah, Michael Exception. I'm also just very sad that the audio only listeners for this episode won't get to see the immense hair flip that Prima just executed. Yes. When she said that, because extremely just... disdainful hair flip. Like, I want a gif of that more than yeah. there it is right there. Yeah, it's just masterful. It's masterful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, that's very cool. I just, I, I was make just, a clip of that. Yeah. I was very curious about the genesis of all that, just because I love short story collections and want to see more of them, and I hope they do more of them. But it just, it makes sense in the context you just put it on. It's cool that 
they recognize that. And you know, them being them being smaller, I think works works for that too. Because like I said, larger publishers, at least from my experience, tend to be like we don't want to take a risk on that unless you're like super mega ridiculous famous. And how many yeah. authors are actually super mega ridiculous famous? Well, and I was just thinking that too because um, I feel like Cat Valente maybe had one come out um, a couple of months ago from a big publisher. But then also it was like, it was, it was called something like, not the collected, but maybe like the best of. And I think it must have had 40 or 50 stories in it. But like wow. at that point in your career, when you have hundreds of short stories and you're known as a short story writer, that maybe is when like the big five will come and be like, okay, mm. maybe, maybe right. we'll do a single author collection from one author at this point, but not before that. Right. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I was thinking what you were saying earlier about the 45 story thing. I was like, fuck that. I want the premium Muhammad um, this edition. Give it inject it into my veins. Maybe, maybe someday. Maybe say, hey, dude, absolutely. Someday. Yeah. someday for yeah, sure. Never say never. Yeah. Yeah. It's just wild to me. Cause like even going back to like the Harlan Ellison, I don't know why I'm bringing up Harlan Ellison so much, but I just remember like he would be on a national talk show on a major network promoting a short story collection and I'm like, when the fuck is that ever going to happen again? You know, well, so we somebody... need somebody who will have no problem in threatening the teeth or the children of whoever they yeah. got something from. Yes, aggressive uh, white male privilege probably played a huge role in it, but it's not like we're lacking in that in the industry now. So I don't know why it's you know that. I mean, I don't want that to be a thing. I'm just saying, if that no, was no, the only I, key, I, I see. I, see I feel like if that see. was the only key needed to unlock that, we see privileged white male authors on TV every week nationally promoting short story collections. So it's something beyond even that. But I just wanted to. I wanted to be. A th I feel like it's not as much of a thing as it was when I was a kid. And there are so many more interesting authors now than there were when I was a kid publishing stuff. So I just, I want to see more of that. So it's cool that Undertow is doing that. And it's not just an isolated incident. They're actually making it a thing and getting Yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, you and Cass having short story collections out within two years is just amazing. Well, that's, that's, that's the other thing I kind of liked about being specifically with Undertow is because Michael Kelly also edits that weird fiction magazine. And oh, so right. he's got this like very distinctive um, taste and like like vision for the stories that he picks. And so I was actually kind of flattered that it was him specifically. I'm like, oh, you're the weird fiction guy. No, that's like, really cool. You've, yeah. you've been in the business for a while and you know exactly what you want. And so the fact that you reached out to us is kind of cool. And it makes me think maybe like you're seeing this quality in maybe like some of my stories. I don't know. And you'll take the rest. <laughs> it's fine. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's what he did. He just went and like looked at said, okay, these three are good, but we need a whole thing. So we'll just take all these yeah, shitty ones like, over we, we here can't put and out like, a, like a mix it in. Hope no one notices. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so like, you know, there's stories in there that he's probably like, oh God, don't read that. Don't read that one. Don't read that one. Yes. I'm sure that's one. exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Don't read the one after that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really, no, I would be incredibly, I, either didn't know and forgotten that he was the one who, who edits that. So that's, that is very cool. I would take that as high praise indeed. And you deserve it because your work is very good. So that's so really Primi, cool. Um, is yeah. your, uh, are, are most of your short stories solicited or, um, cause you said you don't write them very much and I don't either. And that's, I realize that's when I write short fiction is when someone solicits it from me right now. So were you once short story and then went longer or is it just like you write novellas so people think, hey, how about a short story? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's actually changed over the years. Um, once I started getting on sort of like, so like a lot of these short stories, actually, if you look at the publication dates, were from between sort of like 2016 and like 2020, um, because that was the period before I stepped onto kind of like the traditional publishing treadmill. And when I started having to produce like novels on contract and, and with deadlines, so all of a sudden, the spare time that I had to kind of noodle around on a short story and just write it because nobody was waiting for it, um, that was gone. So um, I, start, I started writing very, very, very few short stories starting from about, I don't know, late 2019, early 2020-ish. And at that point, that was when the solicits also started to ramp up. So uh, you can almost like, you know, draw the graph of like stories that I was writing for myself down to practically nothing, and then stories that were, you know, being solicited starting to ramp up, which actually was handy, which means you can still make some pocket money from short stories, but um, it wasn't really conscious. It was very much a time limitation. It was, 
I have to hand in this novel in a couple of months. So all these short story ideas, they are just going to have to wait because there's no editor on the other end that already like paid for them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now the last, uh, my God, maybe 15 or 20 short stories that I've written have all been solicits. And like the, the next, hang on, I wrote these down. Um, the next like seven that I'll be writing are all solicits. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I've already had a couple um, come out this year already in various things, like the Life Beyond Us anthology. Uh, that was a solicit, which is a really cool one. They asked for, you know, they asked you to write a sci-fi story, but along with your story, they pair that with an essay from a scientist talking about the science in That's the story. Cool. So mine is um, from a, a scientist at NASA who's writing about space agriculture. Which Dude, is really cool. that yeah, is... So it's an enormous cool. anthology because, of course, it's all the short stories, but then it's also all the paired essays, uh, which wow. is really cool. Yeah. And then, I don't know, what else have we got? Um, what Draws Us Near, that'll be coming out soon. That's um, text-based horror uh, coming out from Little Ghost Books. Um, and uh, The Other Side of Never, which is a dark Peter Pan anthology. I have a story out in that. And, um yeah, there's just lots of anthologies and, and stuff. Oh, Wilted Pages, The Dark Academia. I've got one coming out in that. Um, yeah, there's just lots of anthologies and stuff. So uh, my actual like time to write my own stories is kind of subsumed by all these other <laughs> editors who are like, what if you didn't write your own story? What if you wrote my story? <laughs> and then people are like, well, you know, you can say no now and then. You can take stuff off your plate. I'm like, but I want money. <laughs> That is a very valid point. And they want a story, and I can just trade words for money, so... <laughs> <laughs> I have something I want to talk about dovetailing off that, and it's overcommitment. I, uh, yes, Premi looking around like, who, me? No, certainly not. Uh, we have had discussions about this in the past. Uh, there's a little behind the scenes for the listeners. Um, and it's something that can... Being asked to do a lot of cool things when you're an author uh, is cool. It feels good. You like doing the things. You like writing things. You like giving interviews. You like doing panels. You like mentoring people. But there can come a point where it becomes a little overwhelming and a little and a little too much. And is this something you've struggled with in the past? And like, how, what kind of effect can it have on everything you're doing? And when do you when do you start saying no to things? I guess is the ultimate point for that. Oh boy, uh, what, what a deep and meaningful question, because this is something that I have dealt with a lot. And what it eventually led to me doing was burning out completely, quitting my job and deciding to also quit publishing, which, uh, yeah, begs the question of, well, if I quit my job and I quit publishing, then where am I going to get any money from? But anyways, um, yeah, I, I did not realize, I think, how overcommitted I was uh, until I started uh kind of uh realizing that i was getting very very upset when saying yes to things mm. and thinking that maybe finally i've tipped over the point where um my my reasons for saying no which seemed to be a pretty good list of reasons um all of those reasons were starting to not outweigh my anxiety and and despair and unhappiness at saying yes and the reasons um, for saying no, I was like, well, you know, if I say no, what if I never get offer offered another mm. opportunity again? Huh? Right. What if they think I'm a, a diva or something? What if they're like, oh, she's too good to be on our podcast? What if they're just like, oh, God, she's so difficult to work with. She's not, you know, nice and obliging like that other author we asked who said yes. Mm. Um, and just, uh, I, you know, I looked at my calendar and I was like, I have like, nine things to do this week <laughs> that are not either my job or my writing so when am i supposed to get my writing done and also near the end there i was like also when am i supposed to like shower or eat food <laughs> or sleep because i'm working like 120 hours a week right so yeah i i tried to come up with kind of a a set of rules um, for when I was going to start saying yes to stuff. And it's sort of like, um, is it paid? Uh, is it, you know, a favor, you know, for a friend? Because if it's a favor for a stranger, then no. 
<laughs> no, that's a, that's a good one. Is it a favor Very for a friend? Right. Um, is this actually going to possibly make a material difference in my publicity? So like the very, very excited fan who um, asked me to be on his podcast and, you know, four people listen to it every week and one of them's his mom. I really can't spare 90 minutes for you, my dude. Right. But like, you know, if it's uh, the new books network and they're like, hey, can you spend an hour with us? I'm like, okay, even though this isn't paid, that's, you know, slightly better. And I can say yes to that and not feel quite as bad, but... Yeah, I'm I'm trying to shovel stuff off my plate right now. I'm canceling things that I had agreed to. Um, I'm going to reevaluate again after I get back from Spain and see if any of this is sustainable alongside job hunting and everything. But uh, it does not feel good. It does not feel good. I did not realize it was possible to like get to the end of yourself. Right. And oh, see God. what that was because you've just been digging and digging and digging and digging and suddenly you're like, uh-oh. Getting to the end of yourself is so harrowingly and accurately put. That oh, just, God, it's terrible. I did write down some premium check in, in, uh, <laughs> in my list because we, we had not planned on pay, paying you for this, but uh, did not value I, I your time this, as much as we should have. I knew this was unpaid, so I'm here to hang out with my buddies. Yay. There you go. And, there is, and there is value in that. No, that was yeah. all... I really like how you laid all that out just then. I... And the thing is, it's very easy for me to like, as a friend, lecture you like you are overcommitting. <laughs> it's very easy for me to say that I don't have to be inside your head and deal with all the things that you have to deal with and and evaluate the value in that, and then also worry about the shit you talked about. Like, are they? Good? I don't have to deal with the thing where like people label women difficult if they assert themselves even a little bit, which you know you have to take into consideration. It's yeah. hard, man. It's hard prioritizing. It well, yeah. and and the other, you know, the marketing aspect too. So yes. I already know it's a it's harder for women. Uh, B, I'm not American, so it's harder for non-Americans. Uh, C, I'm not white. It's harder for people of color. Um, I've got like, I feel like I've got this deck stacked against me and I have to work like 300% harder to get mm -hmm. any notice, to get any traction. The statistics tend to bear that out. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been flat out told by people, I was going to buy your book and then I looked at your name and I decided I didn't want to read an Indian book. And I was like, okay, well, I hope you fall into an open manhole. But like, <laughs> I'm fighting against that as well. Would my books be selling better if I had a milk toast white name like Elizabeth White or something like that? I don't know. But um, so I feel like I have to put in the extra effort. And of course, I've got publishers who are not in a lot of cases putting in the effort because I'm not with, you know, the big five and I'm not a lead title. And right. otherwise your book just gets published and it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, that is the other frustrating side of it is you're having yeah. to do the job, right? You're having to do the job that your publisher isn't doing. Yeah. That's just the truth. And people are like, oh, well, it doesn't make sales. The point is not to make sales. The point is if people don't know about the book and if the book doesn't sell at least a little bit, then I don't get to write the next book. Yeah. Yeah. I don't people care don't. if I'm making money off the book. What I want is the opportunity to try again and buy another lottery ticket. Yeah. yeah this is, and and very, that's what people don't get. This is why <laughs> when people say, you know, how about I buy a copy of you, your book off you for $15 instead of buy it from the publisher where you'll get one. And I'm like, because I want to write another one. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you, it's, you buying the book at. from my publisher in any way, shape or form, audio, ebook, paperback, hardcover, you're basically, you're giving a vote in my favor that they should but they should give me another advance to write another book. If yeah. I if I sell you a copy by hand, great. I can buy a cheap drink at the bar <laughs> at this con. And you know what? If I'm if I'm playing my cards right, I should get my editor to do that anyway. So yeah, one would one would hope. Yeah, no, it's incredibly frustrating. The well-intentioned, horribly misinformed readers frustrate me the most because mm -hmm. we've all had that thing of, of someone telling you. I yeah. want the money to go directly to you. I don't want yeah, to support the, to yeah. the evil corporate overlords because fuck capitalism. I'm like, yeah, man, fuck capitalism right there. Yeah. It's just. Unfortunately, the, yeah. the system exactly. is set up to recognize me selling books out of the trunk of my car. Also, I don't yeah. have a car. The public yeah. doesn't give me any money. Uh, but find, the, when, the drinks yeah. at the con thing reminded me, some of my books actually exist now because of a con. I think I've told this story before, but um, at Worldcon in 2019, I had had, I, I was, I was fairly heavily self-medicating my own anxiety using um, cider that various people were buying me at the con bar. And after, I don't know, seven or so of those, I was drunkenly recapping the plot of a book I had just finished to a friend of mine. 
and somebody came up behind me like, hey, psst. hey, hey, did that sell already? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, don't I, sneak up on people. First of all, don't sneak up on people. And uh, she was like, can I have that? Can I read that? I was like, ah, ah. so she gives me a business card and it turns out she's the acquiring editor at ECW Press. And she writes that on the back, which is very helpful because I've had a few ciders. And uh, yeah, when I came back from uh, from overseas, I told the story to my agent who was like, oh no, <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you doing? That's not a very good first impression. But and he also he didn't even know this novella existed because I had just finished it before I got on the plane, pretty much. Um, so you know we kind of polished it up, and he was like, "Okay." So we sent it there, and they acquired it, and that was the annual migration of clouds, which won the Aurora Award last year, and it had, now has two sequels coming out. So I don't know if the moral of the story is get drunk at bars and lose all your inhibitions, but no, there's there's no moral to the story. There's no. Moral I was gonna say, let's it just is, go with that. It is I like it. moral. <laughs> I I feel bad because urging my listeners to go to cons i know that some can't do it because of proximity and some can't do it because of money and obviously there's covid to think about right now but you can't deny shit just sometimes happens at cons i wasn't expecting it no that was the first big con i've ever been to in my life and i was like clinging to this friend because he's an extrovert and i didn't know how everything worked and i didn't want to go anywhere alone and there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people (laughs) i'm really sorry we didn't meet that would have been fun yeah that would have been fun i I did the escape pod live recording at at worldcon that was fun yay that was fun (laughs) but um yeah i i know i've told this story before but just to sum up i interviewed Lev Grossman at Reno WorldCon, I guess 2009, I think? No, later than that. Anyway, I interviewed Lev Grossman and afterwards he said he didn't have a, a plus one for his for the Hugo parties that night. And so he said I could go with him. And there I just was chatting with someone in line for a drink and that turned out to be Davey, the woman who acquired me for Orbit. Now, I would have hoped my my book was already in at Orbit and you know I would have hoped that it would have sold on its own but that sure as hell didn't hurt. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's like yeah. I know it's hard for a lot of people who are shy or introverted but it it doesn't lie it, it's it's not a lie to say that it it can help you a great deal if you can manage to get to cons and go hang out. You don't have to drink. Just, I know some non-drinkers worry about this. You don't have to drink to hang out at BarCon. I have never, ever, ever seen anyone get crap for not drinking while hanging out at the bar at a con. No. Um, Definitely seen people get crap for drinking too much. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've heard it happen, so I've never seen it. But yeah. yeah. No, it can happen, but but if some people get like, let me buy you a drink, and you're like, oh, I'll have a sparkling water, and then they mm-hmm. might give you crap. But it, it's like, that's few and far between anyway yeah it's it cons really can help you i i, I think that's an awesome story i really love it and i feel like i no, need to story. um drunkenly tell my stories at <laughs> cons more often now even though i just well no you were just done because i've been trying to remind yeah, myself not done. to talk about stuff that's in process because mm-hmm. my brain thinks either i'm done or i talk about it too much and then the the idea gets old in my head and so i think it's old and tired even before it's ever written I'm really good at messing out. Messing brains up brains are great, aren't they? they They're so are. great that way. Yeah. The way they do Mer- everything we tell them to do, that's so great. I love that. <laughs> now, Mer is very good at coming up with unique neuroses. Oh, uh, I got a new one. I got a new one. <gasps> What's a new one? Uh, remember that person you haven't talked to in about 12 years? I bet they're mad at you because of that book you wrote. <laughs> got that one sure? today. Never once thought about that. That I anything I wrote might piss anyone off. Oh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing neuroses aren't contagious. <laughs> aren't you glad I just told you that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I'll. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, after this, after this, I'm gonna go make myself fresh cup of tea and then have a panic attack. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> good job, Mur. It's good when you can schedule them because then you can just get it over with and then you can get on with the rest of your day. <laughs> I just love that that's the pitch for our for our podcast. Like, come on, Ditch Diggers, you'll leave wanting to have a massive panic attack. <laughs> that should help us get big name guests, I think. Big name start. guests. Well, yeah. and you know, you the, know con, some... the con thing also makes me think, what it reminds me of really is 
kind of not just the MFA system, but also in genre, the um, like the workshop system. It's like, mm. oh, I got into Clarion. I got into Clarion West. I got into Odyssey. I got into Viable Paradise. Partly it's that you are paying uh, very, very intelligent, competent people to teach you how to write because what, what are you going to learn from your peers? You're going to learn shit from your peers. They're all there to learn too. But you're also paying for the connections mm -hmm. to those people who are often editors. And, you know, after you get your MFA from Bloody Blah School and you start submitting your novel around, what you're going to find is that the editors also got their MFA from that school and they're going to pull it out of the pile because they like the voice, because it sounds familiar, because that sounds like the writing they did in their MFA. And same with the workshops. They're going to be like, oh, you're a graduate of Clarion. Shoop out of the pile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, no, it's, you know, yeah. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with it because that's the way the system has always worked. People like to work with their friends and they like to work with people that they have a pre-existing connection with. Um, I know my agent is very likely to smile upon a reference that one of his clients, you know, like me or Cass or somebody would give him um, as opposed to, you know, Rando McGee out of the slush pile. We don't give him a lot of references though. But, you know, it's, um, it's, the, it's the human way because we're humans. We're wired to connect. We're very social beings. But when I was just starting out and seeing people who had these pre-existing connections or who were all like chummy chummy with the big name editors um, or the gatekeepers, even though they only had a couple of stories out there, that really chapped my ass. I did not like that. Oh God, yeah, dude, I I agree with you. Like there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of that system that's in place or functioning within that system. I have a huge problem with the exclusionary nature of all the things you just talked about, but it's the absolute God's honest truth. I mean, literally, Ted Chiang, Chiang, am I pronouncing that correctly? Just heard me. I've never said that yeah. out loud before. Yes. He literally put in uh, stories of your life and others, like, I submitted the story and it all got rejected. And then whoever mentored him at Clarion was like, no, send it out again now that you have Clarion in your resume. And it got published, like, immediately. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real thing. It's it. Yeah, that yeah. was in his notes. I remember reading that. I'm just like, he just said that <laughs> so casually. Like, there's nothing wrong yeah. with well, it's like, you know, that, that writing advice book, uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, mm -hmm. everybody recommended that to me when I first started. And um, I got to the part where she was like, she was working so hard on her stories. She was polishing them again and again. They'd gone through her beta readers and stuff. Um, you know, she was hammering out each sentence and working on each word. And then I gave the package of manuscript to my dad's literary agent. And yeah. I, I'm like, I just hucked yeah. it across the I'm yeah. like, I'm done. Look, yeah. it's all done. All done. Bye bye book. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, so now I will never know what wisdom she had to share for the rest of it. <laughs> and your writing may never be complete because of it. Really. Yeah, now I'm probably missing out on like some huge big five deal right now because I did not finish Bird by Bird. All I yeah. remember from Bird by Bird is why it's called Bird by Bird. And I just have a very clear image of her brother hiding under the kitchen table and crying because he hadn't done his bird homework. I never well, read it. Well, I guess it, we, so both, I we both remember something from the book, so it's a memorable book. There we go. <laughs> exactly. What those that were the two is. takeaways. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if it's yeah, going to help me write, but... Yeah. <laughs> I've been keeping you guys for a long time. Um, Preeby, is there anything you wanted to mention or talk about that we have not touched on? Tell us how much of an asshole your cat is. Remind us when your book's coming out. Any of the all of the above. Oh, um, the cat is an asshole. He does crimes. And uh, he's still asleep, which is good. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, the book is supposed to officially come out May 16th, but I know there have been paperback copies floating around for like two or three weeks because I've seen photos in bookstores. So I guess the release date does not mean anything anymore. And like trying to build up for that first day number does not mean anything. Uh, you know, if, if you're with the small press or whatever, they just kind of show up when they show up. Um, but yeah, I would really love if people did, uh, pick up the collection. It's my first short story collection. I am super excited. Maybe if this one does well, there could be like a second one that is like just sci-fi because a lot of the sci-fi got left out of this one. So I would really love that. So, you know, I don't know, get the book, tell your friends. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, if you're coming to the Nebulas virtually, uh, please come to my panel, which is on Sunday and it's about Caribbean futurisms. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Thank you guys for having me on Ditch Diggers. No, no, it's been amazing having yeah. you. We've and wanted to do it for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, sorry about last week, but um, yeah, I'll be at the Nebula. So if you're going to the Nebulas in person, come say hi. I'm actually not on any programming, so I'm just hanging out um, and trying not to, you know, get a Hollywood writing job because I'll get in trouble. And, you know, I was totally expecting that to really happen because Matt tells me it's easy. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, they give them away at the airport out here. Overall deals, they just hand them out. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm really excited. I'm getting a chance to hang out with Matt in person for the first time in four years. You said since 2018, right? Well, since you've been here, we've hung out in the interim since the last time you were out here. I forgot about that. I was just thinking the last time you were out here. I have a picture on my phone from then. I can't believe it was that long ago. I'm so fucking old. Um, (laughs) But no, I'm very excited. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Well, yeah, you're ancient, so then never mind. But um, I'm just fucking. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, we are both wise and vibrant in our in our way. Um, no, no, I'm very much looking forward to that. I will not be at the Nebulous or participate in any form or fashion, but I will hang out uh, with Mur, and I will be at Premi's panel if I can. I'm a little upset because like it's Mother's Day weekend, and I have a lot of Mother's Day shit to do, so it may affect my ability to participate in things. And I've just realized that now, and it's kind of giving me anxiety because I got to work around it. But anyway. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to seeing seeing you, and I'm rooting for people who are nominated for the award because a lot of my friends are nominated for awards and stuff. And, yes, I get know. to accept for Ursula if uh, T Kingfisher wins. So I'm do you excited about do you that. get? Does she awesome. have a speech for you to read? Do you have to do? Do you have to actually be Ursula when you yes, accept it? Yes, I have it, to or? be Ursula. Um, I do not have it yet. We're having lunch on Wednesday. Um, Sweet. Sweet. So yeah, we'll Are see. We'll see what like she comes up with. Or like yeah, it no, could be awesome. like you know. Proposing to her boyfriend or a whole bunch of disgusting animal facts, or it could just be yep. short and sweet. You never know with her. You know, I love is in my head. It was going to be about sea cucumbers. And then she yeah. watched this stream and pretty fucked the whole thing up for her. And now we're just like, God. No, now it's it. going to be more about sea cucumbers. <laughs> because sea cucumbers are interesting. God damn it. They are. No, say, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. do want to say that while, while we were talking, um, Someone posted in chat that they wanted to see Matt discuss chicken privilege with Kevin, who's Ursula's spouse. And so I texted Kevin and I said, um, people think that Matt should come on Productivity Alchemy, which is Kevin's uh, podcast, and talk about chicken privilege. And uh, he sent me a a doodle for you to sign up with so you can talk about chicken privilege. And uh, he asked why. And I told him about the headless chicken fish and yep. then he was off Googling the headless chicken fish to find out what they look like. And he's like, oh, it's a yeah. specific kind of key. I'm, I'm getting all these texts yeah. while you guys are talking. He's That's really amazing. concerned about the, the headless chicken, the uh, headless chicken fish and why it's called that. So, um, yep. I mean, we can try to do that, but like, it'll just devolve in us getting drunk and making out with each other. If I go on Kevin's show. So like, I don't it's see who fine. would have a problem with that. Oh, I'm not. I'm just saying if you signed up for a really intense sea cucumber chicken privilege conversation, and then it's just two guys getting drunk and talking about how much they love each other. Like it's kind of false advertising is all I'm saying. I don't think so. What do you think, Creamy? Merge is like, I have no problem with that. No, I, I think people will still show up. Also, am I the only person that exists that doesn't have a podcast? Pretty much like, at this point. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought I'd check. That's fine. I'll add that. I'll add that. Add that to the panic attack later. Premi, like Premi, yeah. You're assistant editor of Escape Pod. Yeah, I don't have a podcast. Oh. Yeah, but you have my podcast. You have certificates that reward certificates that would beg that would beg to differ with that. Yeah, that's true. You're you're an award nominated magazine podcaster person. Yeah, so you do technically have a podcast. I love how podcasts become. I also narrated uh, one the other day. I don't think that one's up yet, though, but I occasionally do narrations. That's right. I think that comes out this week. Does it? That was a weird one. That was that was cool. Good. That's what people are going to enjoy that one. Yeah, I'm totally going to get them to hire you to narrate one of my middle grade novels specifically. (gasps) Oh my god! I I want to hear you narrate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally serious. I would love that. That would be amazing. Yeah. I have a whole like I have a whole setup now. I have a nice mic. I have a, a sound recording box, uh, oh. which involves like egg cartons and like styrofoam. <laughs> wow, that is professional. Yeah, it is professional. But uh, real quick, Premi, tell us where we can find you online because I forgot to do that part because I'm a professional podcaster. Uh, I am still on Twitter at Premisaurus. I am also on Instagram at Premisaurus, but I'm there a lot less because I keep forgetting I have Instagram. And uh, best place is probably my website, uh, premiemohammed.com. And if you join up to my Patreon, um, patreon.com slash premie, um, you can come hang out in our private Discord server at the borough. And Matt, tell us yeah. about yourself. Uh, I am most frequently still on the Twitters, uh, despite it being a nation in decline at Matt F. and Wallace. I'm on Instagram, same name, and I'm trying to do more there just so I have a fallback when Twitter finally explodes. Uh, Matt Dash Wallace 
Savagegrounds.com. Uh, and again, I have the Savage Grounds coming out June uh, June 13th next month. It's I'm wrapping up a trilogy. It's kind of a big deal. Kind, kind of, of. I'll say it. Kind of a big deal. Kind of. And then I also have my next middle grade novel coming out in October, which you can pre-order right now. Nowhere special. Um, I mean, I should have the freaking ARC. They just came the other day. Yeah, because um, the cover is incredible. It's an amazing, amazing cover. Maybe my favorite cover that I've had for any of my books. That's saying a lot. So that's a really good middle grade. Send cover. me a send me a, an image of it. And I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I will. I'll absolutely do that. But yeah, that's that's coming out in October. I'm very, very uh, proud of that. But I actually think it's the best book I've written. Just period. I'm really, really proud of it. So I hope oh. people come out and support. It's very different. It's deals with some very dark stuff. Uh, but still, like Premi's work is ultimately hopeful. So uh, you can pre-order that right now. Please pre-order those two things. And yeah, all that all that good stuff. All right. And you can find my stuff at Merverse.com, where you can uh, get a link to pre-order Chaos Terminal, which is the next book in the Midsolar Murders series. Woo! And... Um, I have a podcast called I Should Be Writing. I have this podcast. I'm co-editor of Escape Pod. I, with Valerie Valdez, who just put Premie's narration in the chat. And I'm going to put that in the show notes. Nice. For the CRISPR cookbook. Thank you, Valerie. And, um, Love Valerie. Yeah, I just, we, we all do a lot of crap. Just follow us online. I, <laughs> I'm not on the Twitters. I technically am. Um, I'm actually on Blue Sky now. And trying the to remember to like Blue do Sky. TikTok. Blue Sky is what the Jack Dorsey, the guy who made Twitter, that's his latest thing, which is basically oh another Twitter. Only it's not owned just... by Musky Boy. Actually, I give up. It's it's nice because like I can't fucking figure out Mastodon. I am one of those people, and I will own it. Can't figure it out. So uh, Blue Sky is a cafeteria chain in Miami. Thank you, Kizarsley. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, is if, if Space Valkyries is still streaming, I will raid them and um, see if I can do that. Y'all, y'all, did I want Premi to say anything else? I feel like there was something else I was going to have. I, I feel like about. I said it, unless there was like a specific question at the end or something that I could answer. Time anymore. about a bake off held in space has <laughs> no i can't keep track of time i can't i can't i can't conceptualize time as, <laughs> a, as a medium i was in a I, car for 15 hours yesterday leave me alone that sounds Mer, like a time murder's had such a long day she only exists in a quantum sense now yeah she exists which means that after we sign off and we stop observing her she'll stop existing exactly Crap. it's a quantum all right, well, it's we're like, about yeah. to raid Space Valkyries, and we'll see what happens <laughs> and, and after that. And will cease to exist. <laughs> and then I'll cease to exist. So please buy my book so I can leave please something to my book. family. Because when we observe the book, she exists again. Oh, good. So I'll I'll <laughs> see you guys in November, I guess. <laughs> when the book comes out. That's, that's a little Have happy. we actually okay, done an outro yet for the podcast part of this thing that we're doing? Raids are very I important. I think this is pretty but... much it. Do we ever, do you have anything... Andy, you want to say, Matt? No, I just want to actually officially end the episode. So we are any... done. Bramie, <laughs> yes. thank you so much for joining us for thank Ditch Digger's 1,000th episode. This was really a good thing. Thank you. Thing. This was an amazing episode to be on, I think. 1,000. That's that's amazing. Congratulations, you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> I can't you. believe we did it, mostly because we didn't do it. That's why I can't believe we did it. But that doesn't matter. Murr, it's always a joy hanging out with you and talking with you. And we'll be back in two weeks, probably. Yeah, that's the goal. Cool. Thanks, everybody. See, that's an outro. This podcast was produced under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Music provided by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com Ditch Diggers! This is a free podcast brought to you by the kindness of our patrons. If you would like to also be kind and a patron, go to patreon.com slash mightymurr.